do it. We're on a two-week streak here at Potty Train Me, and I haven't felt this impressed by a streak since I got a Peloton two-week streak. You know, I realized that you can get streaks if you leave home where we have the bike and still use the app. So very important. Uh, anyway, that's all I have to say on this fine Thursday for which we're recording. Robbie, how are you? I'm doing well, Greg. Uh, thanks for having me back on. I am also happy to be back on this two-week potty train me streak, which is probably the best streak I've had since um, one of my Snapchat streaks broke over 300 days back in ninth grade. Oh. Probably one of the proudest moments of my life. Um, but yeah, way to subtly uh, pimp Peloton. We love Peloton over here, um, especially our favorite instructors. Leanne Hainsby, Emma Lovewell, and the rest of the gang. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some football and less about exercise bikes. Okay, let's do it. Super wild card weekend just finished. We're heading into divisional round. We are on UCSB campus right now staring at the ocean. Life is not all that bad. But I do have to say two of the most depressing things I've seen over the last two years are empty UCSB campus and the empty Thunderdome. Yeah, absolutely. I will say this, though. Even though campus is a little bit em more empty right now than it has been in the past, and especially last year it was very empty, this spot on campus right here at Bren Hall overlooking the ocean, it's just beautiful. I can even see my favorite Channel Island, Santa Cruz. Um, and because of that, we're allowed to record here ideally without many disruptions from yeah. bustling students. Well, we'll see how it goes. You know, it's not entirely empty as we see all the cars come by. Remember when we did the ugliest car segment? Oh, that was that's a potty train me all-time favorite, I'm told. Good. Uh, so anyway, football happened. Uh, it wasn't a great weekend of football. I actually couldn't watch a ton of it either due to work and other outside commitments, which uh, you were a part of, namely Ultimate Frisbee, baby. We're back. Uh, shout out Blackout. Shout out Blackout. But, you know, the games weren't all that fantastic, and I just want to start the episode by revisiting something you brought up in the last episode going into the weekend, which is do we really need seven playoff teams? The... Bucks, Eagles, and Steelers Chiefs were both pretty trash games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when you think about other expansions in major sports leagues in the past, you look at like the NCAA tournament um, expanding to 68 teams with the playoff games. And right away, that seemed like a good idea when VCU, who was an 11 seed, made it to the Final Four. And then Obviously, since then, there's been a lot of exciting playing games and a lot of those teams that made runs further along in the tournament. And I'm not saying that that won't happen with the NFL in the future, but so far, three out of the four seven seeds that have made the playoffs, I would have preferred to have not watched them during wildcard weekend. Well, this is a good time to say an early shout-out to Philip Rivers for holding his ground as the seven seed last year. Yeah, and the crazy thing was that the Miami Dolphins were also 10-6 that year as the eighth team in the AFC and arguably could have were a playoff-caliber team. Right, so it, tides turned a little bit. The AFC probably offering up more talent. It's weird because... Nobody thought the Steelers should be in the playoffs, but then you had the Chargers and Colts 
who both couldn't cash in on their opportunities. I think it's pretty agreeable across the football fan community that either of those options would have made for a better game. Probably not beaten the Chiefs, but hey, the Chargers, when it came to the Chiefs, they almost beat them once, and they did beat them the first time around. So it was possible. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to do a quick recap of every game, along with embedding every slap tells a story into each game from last week. We Ooh. think this is going to be something we're going to try to do for every single playoff game this season in the NFL, and then we're going to go right into the divisional matchups, which on paper, I think we're in for four amazing games, and I hope that I can watch them all. Yeah, so to take something out of the book of Colin Coward, do you think that us using every slap tells a story to recap the wild card games will succinctly describe what happened in each game? I don't. I don't think it will be succinct. I think it will be thorough. Okay, but we will have to expand a little bit afterwards. Yeah, we'll have to expand. Let's just say fast, thorough, and sharp as attack, which is a perfect segue into every slap tells a story. Let's do it from the top down, starting with the first game, Las Vegas Raiders at Cincinnati Bengals. They did it. The Bengals won their first playoff game in 31 years. Great day for the city of Cincinnati. The amazing story of the Las Vegas Raiders comes to an end here, but there are reasons to be optimistic because maybe things are looking up. For the every slap part, uh, I don't really know why this fits. I just think it's great, and we both love Chris Cornell, so I had to steal a page out of Soundgarden's uh, album... I believe it is Down on the Upside, where Blow Up the Outside World is one of our favorite songs on it. And, of course, he says, Burrow down in and Blow Up the Outside World. Of course, we're talking about Joe Burrow. And, I mean, he has sort of blown up the outside world in that people in the state of Ohio never thought that the Browns or Bengals could win a playoff game. Over the last two years, both teams have accomplished that. And Joe Burrow is just in his second year as a starter not to mention he played, what, like six games last year and tore his ACL? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that that's um, a very good song to pick for this game because it really was all about Joe Burrow and, you know, the other young talent on the team, but how they were able to transform a franchise that started 0-11 two years ago. Um, we're in a really bad spot, and now two years later, not only did they get a great run to get into the playoffs and win one of the most competitive dis- divisions in football, but um, they showed up to play, which isn't always the case with young teams. Well, let's revisit this, actually, because uh, I'm usually good on wild card picks. I only went four for six this week. You went five for six. You uh, got me two and one on the disagreements. But this was one where we disagreed. You took the Bengals, I took the Raiders. And I really want to give Joe Burrow credit because the reason I ended up picking the Raiders was partially due to the fact that I didn't take them seriously until they finally did make the playoffs. And I wanted to give them credit for that. The other reason was just that young QBs struggle in their first big game in a postseason. Mm -hmm. And I was a little worried about Joe Burrow, who, as good as he is, He's got the swag. We all know that. But he's mistake-prone, and he does turn it over. Credit to Joe Burrow. He had a very competent first playoff game and got the win. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed with Joe Burrow and how he managed the game, and he really didn't have any major mistakes. But also, 
even though the Raiders didn't end up on top at the end of that game, I was similarly impressed with Derek Carr, who also had his first playoff start. Um, and he, I know you see at the end that, you know, that last play technically was an interception, maybe not the best decision to throw it right on the goal line. Who knows if the Raiders had caught that, if it would have been called a touchdown, but he showed a lot of poise um, in that situation, keeping the Raiders in the game, and really didn't have any major screw-ups either. Yeah, and mind you that the playoffs have been going for about a month for the Raiders, yeah. right? Like, it was technically his first playoff game, but Derek Carr has shown us as a vet that he is a lot more clutch than people were giving him credit for, maybe now that they made a playoff game and kind of broke that curse that they've had over the last few years where they're, like, technically in the hunt until the last week or maybe the second to last week but never really get in. Uh, they did it. They did it, yeah. and credit to the Raiders. I hope that Rich Bisaccia gets a chance to be the full-time coach. I think he obviously deserves it with the job he's done. Um, any final thoughts? Oh, actually, before yeah. we move on, let's talk about the whistle. Yeah, I was going to say, um, this was one of the only two close games in the wild card weekend, and I think when you talk about this game, the main story is the officiating and what they did do to affect the game. Um, most noticeably, um, I believe the score was, what, 10-3 Bengals were driving. 13-6. 13-6, okay, a seven-point game. Um, Joe Burrow scrambles out to the sideline. Um, as he's about to step out of bounds, he throws the ball. He was in bounds, but as it's in the air, the refs blow a whistle, and the Raiders' defense gets confused. Um, the safety, who was covering Tyler Boyd on the play, kind of stops in the middle, and he ends up catching it, and it's ruled a touchdown. So how do you feel about that play? I mean, I feel mixed, obviously. You don't want to see those kind of things happen in the playoffs. The NFL officiating has been under fire for the entirety of the season, and I know that refing is hard, but I would say deservedly so anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple things about the play that bother me, and I'll tell you what they are. You mentioned the first one, which is uh, Trayvon Morig. When you look at him from that angle he does stop playing when the ball is in the air. And I'm not saying it would have been a touchdown. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been a touchdown. All I'm saying is that, objectively speaking, he hears a whistle and it alters how he plays that ball. We've seen safeties make a lot of big plays where they come in with hits, maybe they knock it out, or maybe Tyler Boyd catches it because it was such a well-placed ball anyway. But the bottom line is the fact that we have to sit here and debate about it is annoying. The player did stop that stupid. The second thing I want to say is the new thing with NFL officiating now is, oh, let's just let plays play out and not blow a whistle at all. And they'll even do it on the most obvious of plays where like a quarterback gets a ball tipped and it lands yeah. on the ground and then a defensive lineman picks it up and starts running. And it's like, obviously that's an incomplete pass and not a fumble. And you're still not blowing the whistle. So if Joe Burrow is stepping toward the sideline and you operate on this philosophy of, oh, well, let's just let it play out and that's what we have replay for, why are you even considering blowing the whistle? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are some great points, and especially that the game did end up as a one-score game. If you're a Raiders fan looking back on that, it's hard not to think, okay, well, what if they hadn't blown the whistle and that wasn't a touchdown, it was incomplete, they had settled for the field goal, then we're driving down there at the end, maybe we take the field goal, goes to overtime. I mean, obviously, that's not necessarily how it would have played out, but... I completely empathize with the Las Vegas Raiders fans who are upset with the officiating in that game, and it's a tough way to end your season like that. Yeah, totally. And I think we can both agree that congratulations to the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, They took advantage of their opportunity to have a home game. It's nice to see them win a playoff game. I don't think we're sitting here just, like, wanting the Bengals to burn in hell for the playoffs. I would have been happy with either team winning. I just wish that... Uh, it could have felt like a little bit more of an even playing field. And I know that wasn't the only controversy with the officiating in the game. It's just that, you know, these teams have fought so hard to get into the playoffs and you want to see it be the best game possible. But let's move forward. There are five more games to get to and then four more to talk about after that. Yeah. Another disagreement that we had in picks. This was the one that went my way. I picked the Bills over the Patriots. I'm very glad... <laughs> that you were wrong about this one, but I can understand where you were coming from. The Bills have a perfect game score on each of their first seven possessions. I think they're the first team in the Super Bowl era to do that, by the way. Yeah, seven touchdowns and the two kneel downs at the end of the half. But yeah, as you said, this is the one pick that I did not get right in wildcard weekend. And looking back, I feel like such an idiot because... During the middle of the season when the Patriots were on their winning streak, they got to the number one seed in the AFC at one point. I don't think there was anyone more skeptical about them than me. I kind of thought that they were getting a little bit lucky with their good defensive play, but Mac Jones was kind of just a system quarterback, and they wouldn't be able to show up in the big moments. So I don't know what changed, but... I think maybe I had just seen Bill Belichick prove the doubters wrong in playoffs too many times before, and I didn't want to make that mistake again, but um, that is not what happened on Saturday night, obviously, with the seven touchdown drives um, and a 47-17 route. I think it's safe to say that the Bills are finally out of the Patriot shadow in the AFC East. Yes. Great job by the Bills. Josh Allen is someone who Bill Belichick has struggled with. I know they won that first meeting in the Mac Jones passes three times game. I'm actually going to say two things to defend the Patriots here, which is, I know, a little bit surprising. But uh, the first one is I'm okay with Mac Jones. Like, he wasn't great, but he's also in his first year, right? The reason I was so annoyed with people hyping him up too much in the middle of the season is because I'm like, we don't know what he's going to be. Like, relax. He's played seven games. He's not amazing, and he doesn't suck. And same thing goes for now. I'm going to hold my ground on that. He doesn't suck just because he did that. I think with his play style, you can say he has a low ceiling at the moment. But could Mac Jones be the future quarterback for the Patriots for the next five-ish plus years? Totally, he could. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be, but I think he's shown that he is more than capable when he's surrounded with a good coaching staff and good pieces. Uh, The other thing I want to say is that 
someone's like, this is Bill Belichick's largest playoff loss of his coaching career. And it's like, well, yeah, he lost by 30, dude. That's like, yeah. it would be anybody's <laughs> largest playoff yeah. loss. Well, so, speaking of Bill Belichick, I believe that we actually forgot the essence of this segment. Um, it is every slap tells a story. So, Greg, oh, why don't you take it away? Me take it away. I think this is yours, actually. All right, well, for the Patriots' Bills, our slap comes from the Beatles song, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. So the lyric goes, Hey, Bungalow Bill, what did you kill? Bungalow Bill. And I think that's an apt way to describe this game because the Buffalo Bills did, in fact, kill Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England Patriots. And it was kind of a seemingly metaphorical shift in the power dynamic in this division it kind of seems like the new um the new standings are firmly in place now there you go there you have it and congratulations to josh allen who by the way was also not amazing in his first year since then he has cranked it up to a new level and he's got a really fun matchup coming up this weekend but let's move into the game that neither of us watched. We didn't want to watch it. And it was the Joe and Troy game. So all things considered, not terrible. Let me ask you this. As we talk about Eagles at Buccaneers, what is your second favorite Sixpence None the Richer song? Oh, uh, you know that one that kind of goes like with the rhythm um, and then it's kind of catchy and, and it has the chorus. Oh, yes. Yeah, now that one's really good, but okay. not as good as my favorite. Well, your favorite one, obviously, is Kiss Me, which, by the way, was featured in the Addison Rae film He's All That, which is a spinoff of She's All That with Freddie Prince Jr. So just pulling out all the names and facts here. But uh, the reason we have Kiss Me is because Tom Brady just won his 35th playoff game and is now on 17 of his last 20. Yay! Uh, what do you think he's going to want to do to celebrate? Well, he's going to want to go greet his family, to say the least. And I'll just read off this uh, lovely passage by our friends Sixpence. Oh, kiss me beneath the milky twilight. Lead me out on the moonlit floor. Lift your open hand. Strike up the band and make the fireflies dance. Silver moon sparkling. So kiss me. That is probably how he greeted his children. What a romantic moment. And I really hope that him and his son got to share um, an intimate experience after that game because they no doubt earned it. And Um, it probably sucks that, like, New Year's comes right before the playoffs. So just kind of a brutal month. I know, just smooch after smooch. Um, That was obviously a great choice for a song to describe this game but there were actually a couple other ones that came to my mind um no expectations by the rolling stones great song it's a great song and also i had no expectations going to this game which if you listen to uh, last week's potty train me episode um you can confirm yourself and the eagles lived up to that didn't put up much of a fight um it was 34 nothing um, and then I was also thinking about other slaps I could use, um, and Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo, or really there's a lot of other Deja Vu songs out there, so choose whatever one you want. Yeah, but, Post Malone, Justin Bieber. But, yeah, um, but this game kind of reminded me of all those easy first-round matchups that Tom Brady would always have um, with the Patriots and the AFC, and it seems like he never really had any real competition 
until the conference championship. So I got a little bit of deja vu watching Tom Brady tear up his first-round opponent. Well, fortunately for the Brady haters, Tom has to go and face a team that has already beat him this season, Uh albeit at home against the Los Angeles Rams. We'll get to that in a second. Not a close game. Bucks versus Eagles, and uh, we couldn't choose fly like an eagle either because fly eagles not fly. They stink. No. And we couldn't do hurt so good or love hurts because I think that joke's been beaten into the ground by everyone else by now. Correct. Okay. 49ers at Cowboys, the best game of Super Wild Card Weekend. Every slap. Listen, I mean, Cowboy Song by Thin Lizzy is always up for grabs with this team. Hey, what about Cowboy Dan, as in Dan Quinn? Oh, pretty good by Modest Mouse. (laughs) Hey, we'll keep that one in the bag for the future. Keep that one in our back pockets. (laughs) Cowboy Dan Quinn, ooh. Actually, I give a ton of credit to Dan Quinn for what he did this year. Um, Don't give a ton of credit to some of the other people in charge, and... I actually will say this before I get into anything else, including our slap. Yeah, I'm not saying Mike McCarthy is an amazing head coach for the Cowboys, but all the people that are like, they're ready for Kellen Moore. Um, you mean the person who made the play call? You know, like I know Mike McCarthy gives the green light, but Kellen Moore called a play call for his quarterback to mess up. We'll get to that in a sec. My slap for this game is only happy when it rains by garbage because that's what the Cowboys were for three quarters of this game. They were garbage. (laughs) This was the other game we disagreed on. I thought it really could have gone either way. The reason I picked the Dallas Cowboys instead of the San Francisco 49ers is, and I said it on the show if people want to go and fact check me, I thought the Cowboys had so many playmakers on so many different levels of the ball that... In big games, you just need those special people to make big plays and lift you over the top. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of a couple mistakes, which he actually did make, and it did turn the tide of the game. Uh, That said, playmakers for the Cowboys did not show up at all, and there were a lot of them that could have made a difference in the game. So you're only happy when it rains because, you know, it's just it's always miserable for the playoffs for the Cowboys in recent years. Yeah, it was an absolutely frustrating game for the Cowboys, especially considering their recent struggles in the postseason. So I understand why players such as Dak Prescott were maybe a little bit frustrated at the end of that game and said some regrettable things. But I don't know. Am I the only one who... (laughs) It's kind of funny, given the context of the interview that they asked him about the fans throwing stuff on the field, and he, of course, thought that they were throwing stuff at the players, so he was condemning the action, and then they, uh, the reporters informed him that they were actually throwing stuff at the refs, and he said, oh, credit to them then, (laughs) credit to them, which I know is an immature thing to say, and it's easy for us who had no emotional investment in the game to condemn that after the fact, given that it does, you know, um, incite violence against the officiating crew, but I understand his emotion, and I do kind of think it's funny a little bit. It was a little funny, but (laughs) I don't know. Also, I just want to clarify, I'm not taunting Cowboys fans, because 
if the Packers lose at all, especially one of these next two rounds, how they feel is probably pretty close to how I'm going to feel too. Yeah. So it's not a complete taunt on their fans. Uh, I don't know with Dak. It's yeah. just like I saw something that said he had every player throw in $500 because practice squad players don't get checks for playoff games. And someone was like, that's the kind of leader Dak Prescott is. And that's a very kind and thoughtful thing to do. But it wasn't really proper timing when he's, you know, applauding his fans for throwing trash at the officials. The reason I say that is because if you're the Las Vegas Raiders and you want to get upset about the officiating, go for it. I don't know if it would have changed the outcome of the game, but go for it. But the Cowboys... You literally didn't know the rule. That's true. I said this on our radio show earlier this week, which is the reason that Larry Fitzgerald clip is so viral and appreciated, where he takes the ball from, I think it was Hopkins, and just hands it right to the ref so they can spike it and get a field goal at the end of the first half, is because you need to hand it to the official. So if you're Kellen Moore and you call that play... You need to have trust in your quarterback. Same with you, Mike McCarthy. You need to have trust in Dak. He's going to slide at the proper time. Someone's going to hand it to the official and spike the ball. Because if you're not all on the same page there, that is way too high of a risk play for them to do. I don't care how closely the Niners were guarding the sideline. They were close enough to the end zone where Dak's arm could have made it there. Uh, So the fact that they were mad at the refs for not handing them the ball, which is an NFL rule. I, like, I'm not trying to be a rules narc, but it, that's just, like, pure anger projection. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely a fair viewpoint. Yeah, but the Cowboys are out. The Niners are moving on. They will face our Green Bay Packers next week, which we will get to later. Oh, so anxious. But let's move on to the Sunday night matchup, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And Can I say one thing before you start? Go ahead. Go to every slap. There was a moment there when T.J. Watt returned that fumble for a touchdown, and the Steelers had a 7 yep. nothing lead early second quarter, where I thought, oh, my God, this is going to happen. And I just my mind started going down the rabbit hole of – the Steelers winning and the Chiefs putting up like six points. I'm really glad things turned around quickly after that. But for a second there, I just like couldn't deal. No, I mean, I was right there with you, especially because I think the Chiefs had like three or four punts in that first quarter. And then there was the TJ Watt fumble return for touchdown. And I was like, oh God, I could see this shaping up as like a two defensive touchdown Chiefs offense struggling game where... Ben Roethlisberger has some, like, miracle pass at the end, and then the Steelers win. But I think by the second quarter and the rest of the game, the Chiefs started turning it on more, and it was clear that they were the better team. It was also clear that Ben Roethlisberger had lost a little bit of juice, and his age finally caught up to him, and it's clear that he's no longer the guy, which is why that... Our Every Slap Tells a Story for this game is 2009, um, which is a song by Pittsburgh native Mac Miller. Um, he would have turned 30 yesterday, by the way. We're recording this on Thursday the 20th, and Mac Miller yesterday would have had his 30th birthday. So, much like Mac Miller sings, it ain't 2009 no more. The Steelers must be sharing that sentiment, because um, 2009 
in February was the last time that they had won a Super Bowl against the Arizona Cardinals in the famous San Antonio Holmes game. Um, and now that it seems like that era of the team is symbolically over with um, Ben Roethlisberger poised to retire this offseason, the Steelers are moving on to a new phase in their franchise, thinking back on past times, and they can't help think that it's not 2009 anymore. How poetic there. Rest in <laughs> peace to Mac Miller, and uh, congratulations to Ben Roethlisberger on a great career. I don't hate you. I just did not want to see your team play in the divisional round. Let's go to the final game, Cardinals at Rams. They split in the regular season, so this is going to be a good game, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, every slap is going to be Till I Collapse uh, from the album The Eminem Show featuring Nate Dogg. Uh, why? Because the Arizona Cardinals collapsed after their 8-1 and start. They looked terrible, and I'm happy for the Rams that they get to move on because the Cardinals did not deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is kind of a common theme um, among Cliff Kingsbury's teams. Last year, the Cardinals did the same thing, looked pretty good early in the season, seemed like they were definitely going to be a playoff team, and then kind of just collapsed at the end of the year and missed out. But it was all... Uh, worth it because we got to see Mitch Trubisky in the Bears in the playoffs. Yeah, but in all seriousness... You mean MVP? The MVP. Oh, oh passing the torch to Dak Prescott. Yeah, congratulations to Dak. So maybe, you know, he did get something out of this weekend. But yeah, uh, this game, I was excited for it, um, especially considering how the Cardinals-Rams Monday night game um, late in the season went and how that was a close one. But... Um, yeah, that was just kind of an ugly game from start to finish. I am happy for the Rams, um, and I do think it will be a good matchup against the Bucks. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great matchup, to be honest. I'm really excited for that one. Among the other games, should we get into it? I think that concludes yeah. all of the past weekend. So, yeah, we got four matchups looking forward to us. We'll start with the first one on Saturday, which on paper – Probably the worst of the four matchups, but I'm really excited for this one. We got the yeah. Cincinnati Bengals at Tennessee Titans. Yeah, this is actually the only of the four matchups this weekend that was not also played in the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see if these two teams match up against each other. will also be interesting to see if Derrick Henry, who is um, reported to play this weekend, if he will be in his peak form, um, because if he is, I think a lot of people um, are picking the Bengals. It's kind of a trendy pick this week, um, given how explosive their offense has been. But I don't know. I wouldn't count out Derrick Henry in full form, because if he is, I like the Titans' chances to control the game. Yeah, also, let's not keep disrespecting the Titans. Yeah. I'm not trying to disrespect the Bengals either, but... The Titans are the number one seed, and they had to play 88 different players this year, and it's not like Ryan Tannehill is a superstar quarterback either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, having said that, I mean, we talked about this earlier, Joe Burrow was impressive in his first playoff game, didn't make a lot of mistakes, so was Jamar Chase. Um, 
And so the Bengals are looking pretty good. Um, they can obviously put up a lot of points, but like I said, the Titans with Derrick Henry, what they do so good is get that early lead and just have these long possessions and methodically drive it down the field. And I think that it might be hard um, for a young team like the Bengals if the ball is kept out of their hands and they're playing from behind. Although Joe Burrow, to his credit, does do a nice job of playing from behind and overcoming deficits. Let me ask you this, rapid-fire question. You're starting a franchise. Who do you take, Jamar Chase or A.J. Brown? Go. Ooh. Um, I don't know. I might have to choose Jamar Chase just because it's only his rookie season. He's already been so impressive. Um, I don't know. What would you choose? I'll take A.J. Brown. Okay. I just Another think disagreement. bigger, yeah. little more physical. Uh, the injuries are a concern, though. He does yeah. get hurt in yeah. his young career, and we hope that he can stay healthy. But did you see how the Titans' offense changed when he came back, even without Derrick Henry? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's definitely a major factor um, in that offense, but not more so than Nick Akine Westbrook. You mean Westbrook Akine? Which, oh, just shows how, which just shows how big a factor he is in the <laughs> offense. The GOAT. Okay, uh, Titans at Bengals. We're going to get to picks in a second, but let's move to Saturday night where we are going to be biting our nails for three consecutive hours where the 49ers come into Green Bay to face the Packers. I'm nervous AF. I've talked to a lot of Niners fans this week because... From our hometown, there are many of them. They say they're very nervous, too. I can understand why they're nervous. I can also understand why we're nervous, because yeah. Debo Samuel's ruining my sleep schedule. Yeah, I mean, in this Niners playoff matchup is triggering some past trauma, um, given that in the Rodgers era, the three times we've played them in the playoffs has been a nightmare. There was the NFC Championship blowout two seasons ago. There was the game where... Colin Kaepernick, I believe, ran for 613 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, and then there was the game in Wild Card Weekend where the Niners came to Lambeau and won on a last-second kick. So, um, I don't know. I think it's funny how, obviously, the 49ers passed on Aaron Rodgers um, with the number one pick, and he was interviewed afterwards and said, um, how disappointed are you that the 49ers didn't pick you? And he said, not as disappointed that the 49ers will be that they didn't pick me. And that's probably true regardless of what happens this game, but I hope he finally gets to go out there and stick it to them in the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. The Packers were able to beat the Seahawks in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and the Seahawks seem to have their number for a bit so it's not impossible yeah the Packers were the only team to be undefeated at home uh they also win big at home they're 7-1 against the spread when they are at Lambeau Field as well the one exception being the crappy Christmas game against the Browns which it seemed like they were going to lose um yeah I don't know I do think that Aaron Rodgers has the capabilities to pick apart the secondary which is not very strong I also think that Devontae Adams is going to be a really tough task for these Niners DBs. That said, it's going to be frustrating if the Niners can run the ball at will and Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, and others are able to kill the clock and keep Aaron Rodgers watching on the sideline. 
I don't really know how things are going to go. I'm actually somewhat optimistic because the Packers are getting a little healthier. Last year, they lost David Bakhtiari right before the playoffs. That turned out to kill them in the NFC Championship game. Now they're getting him back. They're getting Zadarius Smith back. They're getting Jair Alexander back. I think Randall Cobb should be able to play after recovering from a core muscle injury. MVS was practicing again. So hopefully, for their sake, they have a full-strength roster. I don't really know what to expect come game time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't make mistakes, this team is also very hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will certainly be holding our breaths for that entire game. Um, but assuming that the Packers do win, we will also be pretty invested in the Sunday morning game, which is the rematch of a week three game uh, with the Los Angeles Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, how do you feel about this one? Is this going to be the Joe and Troy game, or is that the Packers? I think it's the Packers. <sighs> yeah. That's Better sh- not lose. Oh, that's a shame. Well, okay. Um, I actually feel good about this game. Uh, I don't want to be a blind optimist when it comes to Tom Brady in the playoffs because I always expect the worst. But the Bucks are not the same strength of team that they were mm-hmm. in Last year's playoffs, uh, they have two offensive linemen that were injured against the Eagles, Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen, the center. Uh, We don't know if Leonard Fournette's going to play. And the other lingering question is, will the refs show up for the Bucs, too? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Most likely. Okay, so really it's everyone else who's just a question mark. Um, The Rams beat the Bucs at SoFi in Week 3, 34-24. I don't like looking at games from 15-plus weeks ago to reference an upcoming matchup, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely going to be using that same statement when we talk about the next game. But I will just say that we can expect both quarterbacks to throw the ball a lot in this game. They're both warm-weather teams. You can see Sean McVay really making an effort to establish the run game now with Cam Akers coming back. Sony Michelle has exceeded my very low expectations of him. But the Bucks' run defense is strong, as is the Rams, and whoever's trailing early on is going to be forced to air it out a lot down the stretch. I think they combined for almost 90 passes. They might have broken 90 when they played each other the first Whoa. time. Wow. Well, that's impressive. Um, I also think it's crazy that if the Bucks win this game and the Packers win on Saturday night, we could get a rematch of last year's NFC Championship um, and then the Bills and the Chiefs are playing this week in a rematch of last year's AFC Championship. So we have all four teams from last year's Final Four still alive um, in the divisional round with only eight teams left, which I feel like is pretty rare because usually there's a lot more turnover. Um, but that's actually a good segue into the final game of the weekend, which is the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And as you said, they did meet earlier in the year which the Buffalo Bills won pretty convincingly on Sunday night. And that was the period when the Chiefs were kind of struggling, but it seems like they kind of got their groove back and they're a new team. So I'm excited for this one. It's two teams that had very impressive wildcard weekend performances. Impressive to say the least, just completely dominant. I mean, these two and the Bucks were really the three most dominant performances. And you have to include the Bucks in there because the Steelers 
or sorry, the Chiefs beat up on the Steelers. So yeah, um, yeah, but you're right. I don't want to reference the previous matchup in which the Bills won thirty-eight to twenty. The Chiefs have actually lost to all three remaining teams in the AFC, but the Bills were the only one to beat them at Arrowhead. Uh, you're right, though. It's like an entire season has happened for both teams. The Chiefs kind of got out of their slump and found their groove again, and the Bills went into a slump of their own, looked like they might miss the playoffs at 7-6, and six, yeah. and now they're a new team. So I'm just taking this as a totally fresh game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why the storyline of this being the Bills' year kind of frustrates me. Because don't get me wrong, they had a great game last weekend and looked amazing. But much like the Chiefs this year, they have also been pretty inconsistent. Um, So I don't know, it'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs show up um, in their full form, if the Bills show up playing their best. but I'm excited. I think this is going to be a really good game and a great way to finish off Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. Not, not Wild Card Weekend. Sorry. Divisional Round Weekend. Super Divisional Weekend. <laughs> but you're right. As dominant as both teams were in the first round, the reality is that one of those teams is going to go from blowing somebody out of the water to being eliminated. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong, Josh Allen is insane, but Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. I think, I don't know why that narrative has kind of gone away. Like, people continue to talk about Tom Brady all the time, Aaron Rodgers all the time, because of how they've sustained their play. Patrick Mahomes, this is the first year where he hasn't been invincible as a starter, and he's still been pretty good. Yeah, and he's been here before the last two seasons, so I don't think you want to discount that, that he has the experience and he usually shows up to play in these big games. Um, Why don't we move on to our picks for this weekend? Um, Let's start with the first game, Bengals versus the Titans. Who do you got? Well, I'm just going to say full disclosure right now, all my picks are going to be fairly boring. Okay. But... I am going to pick the Titans. I do think that they're worthy of making a championship game. They have been disrespected a lot. Mike Rabel has a good culture. Uh, The Bengals, mind you, are still young and have not been here before, whereas the Titans were in an AFC championship game two seasons ago. And if Derrick Henry comes back, even if he's in 75% of his peak form, that's still, like, maybe the best running back in football. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I'm also going to have to pick the Titans here. There's a lot of talk sometimes about maybe the bye week not helping teams, but I think the Titans are an example of a team that absolutely will benefit from the bye week. They got a lot of guys who were banged up throughout the season. They got a little bit of a chance to maybe heal up a little bit and the Bengals like you said are a young team I understand why this is a popular upset pick right now but um, I trust the Titans they've been really good in the playoffs before under Mike Rabel so I like them in this one okay and how about Saturday night are we going to be crying into our pillows or are we just going to be nauseous from I don't know the Packers driving us insane even if they win I've been described as a very pessimistic sports fan before, um, but I am going to pick the Packers here because I am a little bit worried about this matchup. 
I think that the Niners are a team that is built for the cold. They run and they can control the ball and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Having said that, I feel like I'm being unbiased here when I say that the Packers have looked like the most dominant team this year and the 49ers uh, are much more flawed and the discrepancy of uh, the quarterback position is a big one. So I like the Packers to survive for at least one more week. I agree with you there too. I think the Packers are comfortable at home and we've seen their defense have the inability to tackle at times, namely in two of those three Niners games you mentioned from the playoffs. So it's not like I'm going into this one blind or having an idea of what might not happen. But I think that they don't turn the ball over very much. They have 13 turnovers, which is tied for fewest in the league, but three of those came in the second half of week 18 where Jordan Love was playing he threw two picks and then I think Winfrey one of the receivers also fumbled so really they've turned it over like 10 11 times over the course of 17 games which is just remarkable given how crappy they were in week one um you know I think if they take care of the ball and let Devontae Adams be that guy it's going to be hard for Jimmy to compete in a shootout that said they can't do that thing where they just let teams hang around and get run all over. I think the defense is capable of tackling. Remember when we thought the Cowboys were going to run all over us in 16 and they kind of held their own for the most part? I think they'll be able to do it, but I this is by no means a guarantee. I mean, besides, if the Packers lose this week, they can't fulfill their prophecy of losing in the NFC Championship to whoever wins the next game, which is the Rams versus the Bucks. Oh, uh, yeah, I definitely might pick us. If we win, I probably will pick against us yeah. next week because I'm just a pessimist. Well, who do you think that matchup will be? I actually think it's the Los Angeles Rams, and I'm trying to make an unbiased pick here because the truth is that Tom Brady and the Bucks have been very, very good at home. Their only loss was that weird 9 nothing game against the Saints on Sunday Night Football. Other than that, Tampa is not an easy place to come into and win. The Rams have done it. They did it uh, last year in the regular season. Now, granted, that was the regular season. But the reason I actually like the Rams here is because you can tell Sean McVay is starting to really want to establish this run game, meaning he doesn't necessarily trust his quarterback, Matthew Stafford, to have to throw it 30 to 40 times per game because that increases the likelihood of making a bad mistake. Stafford, obviously, very effective when he is on, but we've seen him just have some awful games and make terrible decisions at times this year. The reason I do like the Rams is because their defensive line is really, really, really good. Either Aaron Donald is making plays or he's attracting so much attention that Leonard Floyd looks like an even better player than he already is, or something like that. So if they have some guys out, especially those two O-linemen, maybe Fournette's not totally right, and the Bucks have to just play this one from behind, you know, we've seen their offense kind of stall at times, and they're not quite the same. Brady's very well protected when everyone's healthy. Will everyone be healthy? I don't know. And if the Rams can cause them trouble with some of their stars on defense, it might be a problem for them. So I do like the Rams to come in and pull this upset. 
Yeah, I was actually hoping that you were going to pick the Bucks there so that we could spice it up a little bit and have some different picks. But I also like the Rams in this one. I understand how Tom Brady seems to always find a way to win, especially in the playoffs, regardless of the circumstances. Um, Having said that, though, the Rams really might be the most talented roster in all of football with all of the stars they've pulled in. And they looked really good last week. Even guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller, who, you know, a lot of people were saying maybe they're past their prime. Um, they really showed up to play last week. And considering all of the great players they already have, I think that they are poised to pull off an upset against a banged-up Bucks team. Um, but we'll see. It'll be an interesting one. The final point I want to make on this game also is that uh, people were not giving Robert Woods a lot of credit because everyone was so sucked into fantasy football this year, and he wasn't producing statistically. Remember how the Rams went into a big slump in the middle of the season, and it was not long after Robert Woods tore his ACL and yeah. right when Odell was coming into the roster? I'm like, they miss Robert Woods a yeah. lot because he is good, uh, even if he wasn't you know, winning games for your fantasy team. So now you got Odell, someone who's filled the void nicely. He's got six touchdowns in nine games for the Rams and making plays with it. Obviously, Cooper Cup is a complete machine. So I think that when you look at the ways they filled some of these holes, uh, you got two running backs, even with Henderson being out. I think the Rams just have some depth that is necessary to go and win playoff games. I hope I am proven right. Obviously, the Bucks are a great team. The defending champs are never easy to beat. And Tom Brady is playing against a quarterback who has won 34 fewer playoff games than him. So, yeah, of course it could go the other way. Last game, Bills at Chiefs. Uh, you want me to go first? Uh, I can take this one, just yeah. so I'm not accused of copying you. Um this is an interesting one. I've actually thought about it a lot. I think that the Bills are an enticing option here, given how dominant their offense was last week and the way that they just tore apart a Patriots team that a lot of people, a lot of idiots, uh, predicted to win. Um, but regardless, I think that the Chiefs, they have been streaky at times, especially this year. Mahomes has looked flawed in ways that he hasn't in the past but I do think that they've been in this position before they have such an explosive offense and clearly that Mahomes Andy Reid duo knows what they're doing um and I do think it'll be a high scoring and a close game but when it comes down to it I think that Josh Allen is a great player um but I trust Patrick Mahomes with the ball to make a play more than I do anyone on the Bills' offense. Okay, I like it. Uh, I'm going to be extremely boring and pick the Chiefs as well. I don't have a ton of really sound reasoning behind it. Obviously, both teams are capable of being explosive. The thing about the Bills is they have the best point differential in the regular season. So when they're on, they are really on. Their defense is good. They don't allow a lot of yards per play. That's a big gambling stat. Um, so... When they knock you out, they will knock you out so hard. But this is a team that was 7-6 and six at one point and lost to the Jaguars, and you could tell was a little bit Josh Allen dependent. Patrick Mahomes is good enough 
to overcome a really good defense. And the Chiefs' defense has gotten way better to the point where they can maybe slow Josh Allen down too. I really think this one could go either way. It's going to be a great contest, but just give me the more proven team that's been here a little bit more before. I like Andy Reid over Sean McDermott in this scenario too, but I'm really excited for this game. I think of all four games this weekend, Packers is where we have the most personal interest, Mm -hmm. but this game might be the one where I have the most just neutral fan interest. Yeah, absolutely. I think that hopefully by the end of this weekend, we can even assign a super divisional weekend um, to the name. What, What does that even mean? Well, if there's four great games, I think even though, you know, there aren't six games over the span of three days, it can still qualify as Super. Oh, I get it. Because they named it the Super Bowl after that Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl. Exactly. Because that was awesome. That was a great game. All right, I think that's our sign that we need to move on to shout-outs and get out of here. Uh, why don't you go first, Mr.? I would like to shout out um, a promising new business that is coming to Isla Vista, California, where we both currently live. Um, it is replacing where Blaze Pizza used to be, and it's called Hummus Republic. And I don't know, I've never been there. I don't think it's a chain. If it is, I've never seen another one of those restaurants, but it looks like it's a Mediterranean place, and I think that. It's promising because they might be able to serve some healthy food in a place that doesn't have a lot of options that aren't super greasy and filling. Um, so yeah, Hummus Republic, you get my shout out this week. I am hopeful for the memories we can share together later. That is beautiful. We're going to have to go to this grand opening is, I think right now, Hummus Republic greater than California Republic until proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. Guilty until proven innocent. Nope, it's the other way around. Innocent until proven guilty, <laughs> baby. And that's why I picked the Chiefs to beat the Bills. Okay, uh, look, I just want to say shout-out to Cadario, an Italian restaurant in downtown Santa Barbara. I went there for the first time last week, and it was really good. So Wow. Do you think the other, like, local businesses in the area are bummed out that they didn't get a shout-out? Well, here's the thing. I'm pretty old, and I've been around Santa Barbara for a while now, and there's so many places I just haven't gone because I don't want to spend money all the time. Wow. Fair enough. Fair enough. But don't worry. This episode's going to earn us some bank, and we're going to go to Hummus Republic and all the other great local chains. Yeah, and drinks on us for everyone there. Yeah! Okay, well, what? Do you, how are you going to... So with my ID? No, uh, I'm talking about Mountain Dews, baby. All right, that's a nice conclusion to that episode. Divisional round is happening, and we'll be back next week for hopefully a three-week streak. Let's try to get that on the Peloton app, too. Yeah. See you later, potty train me. Whoosh.